All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. What's up, y'all? This is QLS Classic from November 22nd, 2017 with Darius Rucker. Um, yeah, singer-songwriter Darius Rucker talks about uh, Hootie and the Bluefish. Know those guys, right? They go from playing frat parties to playing with the Dave Matthews Band to the Grand Ole Opry and then going as a solo artist and he also talks about the obstacles he faced along the way and yeah by obstacles we do mean racism uh but we also speak of his love of hip-hop and other types of music and sports and his strange obsession of his spirit animal the late great nate dog so uh you don't want to miss that one all right darius rucker quest love supreme right now Steve looks like a homeless truck driver. <laughs> Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. 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 No, his name is not Hootie. Yeah. It's Darius. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Rucker. Yeah. If you're nasty. Roll call. Suprema. That didn't rhyme. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Roll call. My name is Sugar. Yeah. I'm being wooed. Yeah. By other podcasts. Yeah. But I only want to be with you. Roll call. Suprema. 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 Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. I'm unpaid bill. Yeah. Ready to rock. Yeah. Shout out to South Carolina. Yeah. Go Gamecocks. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Forgot Boss Bill's name. Yeah. Well, I I forgive you. Yeah. Ah. Suprema. Suprema. Suprema roll call. It's Laia. Yeah. And I'm gone country. Yeah. Darius Rucker. Yeah. He haw, I'm in this B. Suprema roll call. Please save us, Darius. Save us, save us, Suprema roll call.
from the country. Yeah. yeah. That's where I be. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm chilling, questing everybody. Yeah. Y'all come and see. Roll call. Thank you, Primo. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. I haven't screwed up like that since like episode four. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yo, Thank Darius killed you, Darius son. Yeah. for saving well done, our Darius. theme. Thank you. Uh. Oh, Jesus Christ. You ain't never watched None the of us were. No, I practiced yeah, this but like it four didn't times. Rhyme and, you know. You ain't run, wasn't around doing nasty. Darius, yeah. clearly. But mine, <laughs> mine was. Did you not hear a that? Pop culture reference. Damn. See, mine was better. Mine Ladies was better. and gentlemen, this horrible show you're listening to is called Questlove Supreme, only on Pandora. My name is Questlove. We got Team Supreme with us, uh, Sugar Steve. Uh, unpaid Bill. I'm back. Who has looks new. <laughs> we haven't seen you in a while. You're, I cleaned. You're, <laughs> is that like a members only jacket? It is. Do you like it? You have a new girlfriend, don't you? Uh, You're uh, on Bumble, aren't you? I didn't want to no, ask I'm not him. on Bumble. I, I have a girlfriend. Ooh, Say, okay. What? What's that? A, 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 as, as in, in one. one. Oh. As in he used to have multiples. Okay. Yes. That explains the haircut. I was about to say, that is the only reason why you look bl- brand new right now. Like I, I have to go to things tonight, too, yeah. that I can't look like shit at. I'm impressed. Which is my usual. Just so you know, you look great. You don't Thank look well you. enough to go to a thing later. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, no, but he's glowing. Okay. He's glowing. <laughs> and that's I, the I uh, uh, have a suit in the car. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Oh wow. Okay. And uh, uh, boss Bill's here, and uh, he also looks as good as I do. Fontigolo <laughs> is somewhere handling. Uh, his, he's getting in shape. Somebody's yeah, he's getting married. Somebody's getting married. What a waste. In his uh, wedding tuxedo. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, I I have to say that um, our guest today um, is literally loved by millions. Uh, at least 16 at least yeah uh, <laughs> it's rare I think he might be the first uh, diamond artist of a non greatest hits yeah. or or a compilation to ever be on the show oh, yeah. oh, cool. uh, Grammy award winning oh no, uh, no, no. Babyface I don't no, think two no, million no, people right. part no, of this right, record, right, right, but I'm sure. You don't know. be stealing Darius Joy. No, you're right. No, I, I, just, I, <laughs> find no, I, I just wanted to find someone. I just wanted to make sure uh, we didn't disrespect uh, anybody Darius else. Here's on Questlove <laughs> you know. Supreme. Yeah. No, no, I don't seriously. want any angry emails from MC Search. Yeah, know. no, I, I get it. I get it. Um, but I, I have to say that uh, for for the last 25 years or 20 plus years, I won't. Our guest has been entertaining millions and millions. Initially, as Frontman of Hootie and the Bluefish, and now as an artist in his own right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Questlove Supreme, Darius Rucker. Thanks for having me. Woo! Anyway, how how are you uh, today, sir? I'm good, man. How y'all doing? I'm good. I'm good. Not bad. I, I like this. It's real laid back. I gotta I gotta say that you know for a lot of the guests of this show, um, many of which have had careers um, in the f- four and almost five decades, uh, you're probably the first act that I don't know intimately at, as in like the back of my hand, but I'm very curious about your journey oh, cool. on your, 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 your whole lifespan. It's like, I, I, I know of you, I know of your music, but I never know of you as a person and, yeah. and, and your beginnings. So I know that you're, uh, you were born in Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, right? yeah, just uh, just a little old neighborhood. Uh, there was six kids, 
you know, uh, dad won really around a lot, if at all. And uh, just uh, I had, you know, lived in this little neighborhood, this great little neighborhood. We had uh, our neighborhood with the small houses and we had the projects behind us. And, you know, we fought every day and, and, and just it was one of those things. I, but ever since I was ever since I heard Al Green at the age of four, all I wanted to do was be a singer. That's it. That really? was for me. There was nothing else I ever wanted to do. I have, I have to say, uh, I think a year ago uh, I did a show in Charleston. And I didn't realize how close to New Orleans. It's almost like a a, a cut. Up. It almost felt like I was in New Orleans, like oh, in, the, in the French Quarter. How long has it always had that that sort of vibe, or is this just... always? It's always been that way. We've always said that we were like New Orleans cousin, you know. And because uh... New Orleans is one of my favorite cities, and when I went there, I was like, oh, I would have almost consider like if I had to. Be one of those people that like migrates back down south, like yeah. in their later years. Like, I'd I'd consider this. You oh know? yeah. And considering what the rest of the United States heard or knows about Charleston, South yeah. Carolina, um, and to still say that that's how great my time was in the weekend there. So I I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, it's a great city. You know, is it a musical city? Or? It's, mu- it's not as musical as New Orleans, but it's a musical city. There's music everywhere. You know, there's always bands playing and. And just always something to do with music, for sure. Who are some, like, notable South Carolina folks that we know? I'm just thinking about that. Chris like, Rock. Chris Rock, yeah. Well, yeah, Chris Rock, but musical. Oh, and, oh, there's not a lot of music. Yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> there's not a, you know. Uh, it might be Darius Rucker. Uh, you know, Hootie, um, me, uh, uh, James Brown's from, like, North Augusta, was born in North Augusta or something, but he lived in you know in, in Augusta, so that was he's really known to be more from Georgia or something. Right, but, right. Uh, but uh, how close to Georgia it. was Charleston? Oh, I'm probably two hours from Georgia too. Oh, okay, yeah, from Augusta. And you're still there, right? I yeah, I, I thought I lived I lived in the city for a couple of years. I was making an R and B record back at the turn of the century. Yeah, I lived here, but uh, I lo- I love it down there. <laughs> Turn of the century just sounds. I weird. know. <laughs> yeah, in aught five. It was like seventeen years ago. Then uh, stop. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> just, don't, no more years, y'all. <laughs> Please. So, uh, you said that uh, your first musical memory was Al Green. Yeah. What was it about uh, his voice uh, that called his you? His voice, of course. I mean, you know, and those records. You know, those records that Willie Mitchell produced were so. Still, when I put them on today. They're, they're, the, the sound just my mom Al Green was her favorite and so when he when I I just wanted to be Al Green like one of the worst days of my life was when my voice changed this is a true story my voice changed and I tried to sing an Al Green song and oh. I couldn't sing it and I cried like a little baby like I mean, that one of them lets out it didn't uh, sound the same so initially sort of a not soprano but an alto yeah, approach you, know, I, you were singing in your high register all that stuff yeah and my voice changed and went straight to a baritone and I can't I, hear you I doing cr- that I cried for like two days <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't say how great songs yeah anymore. but there you go Barry White <laughs> <laughs> true true you just changed with it um, so it, was your family musical as well or was it just you yeah yeah my family was uh, big time in church musical like everybody sang in church my dad uh, had a had a little uh Gospel group, and believe it or not, the, the gospel group was named the Rolling the Stones. Rolling Stones. <laughs> I, knew, I, was, I got scared when you said he wasn't around much. I was like, oh. Oh, actually, the way I heard, the way the my relationship I had with my dad was every Sunday morning on WPAL in Charleston, the Rolling Stones had a half hour. Wow. 
And that's where I heard my dad uh-uh. uh, sing. So there was no McDowell's sort of lawyer. I don't like, think they ever did anything that, they, that the Stones even knew it was happening. You know, South Carolina bound for life. Yeah, here. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they yeah they weren't doing anything. The Stones didn't so even it was like know that's that. the secular Stones. We're the, we're the Christian Rolling Stones. Oh yeah, they started this show saying Rolling Stone gathers no moss. <laughs> <laughs> so were they uh, kind of? Uh, like the Backwoods Gospel Quartet, exactly. You know they, wow. they came out and did all those songs. Never really wrote anything. Just did all the the old spirituals and stuff. And they, I mean, they were great. I mean, he was a tenor and he was great. And my mom had an amazing voice. Like I used to sneak in the living room when my mom was cl- cooking or cleaning in the kitchen, and I'd sit in the living room just to watch, to listen to her sing. She had an amazing voice. She was really something special. Was it? Uh, of course, I guess when you're traveling with a. a a gospel quartet or whatever. Um, most kids that have that experience have to have church all week, not just on Sundays. So was it just, yeah, was this a Baptist or seven day Adventist? Oh, we were Baptists. We were okay. straight Southern Baptists, man. And they, everything that comes with it, that's what we were. <laughs> Saturday <laughs> service, <laughs> Sunday service, Sunday service, Saturday service, you all know, day service. Yeah. I mean, well, we went to, we went to church at like nine and got out at three. We, we were there all day. It was That's an true. all day thing, and it was, you know, that was just the way we were. Raised. And then you go eat at night, yeah, yeah. and the night service. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that, that, you love the night service because you know you can get some sweet potato pie, <laughs> some food up in there. You love that. Did you ever sing with the? I sang with the choir. I never sang with his his group. No. Okay. Never. How old were you when you sang with the choir? Ah, uh, God, I started singing in the choir when I was, I guess, eleven or twelve, and I sang for three or four years in the choir. So because you were. I'd assuming you were born in the late 60s. Yeah, 66. Oh, whew, I'm guessing. Yeah. I promise I wasn't going to say no more years. <laughs> <laughs> um, to grow up down south, um, post-civil rights period, yeah. or at least I consider the Mason-Dixon line to be 1965. Yeah. Um, what were your childhood experiences like in those formative years, like the first 10 years of your life? Oh, we were mean, born a year after we got the right to vote. Yeah. It was, you know, it was like we're in adult size. Was it like, hey, a new day, or like, how did you? No, see it? it was still bad. It was still bad. Growing up, like <laughs> they didn't I, get the memo yet. No, I remember being <laughs> six, and my mom and her friends organ. She was a nurse, and they organized this big march because they were getting paid so much less than the white nurses. So they organized this big boycott and march, and I just remember that being, you know, getting our, you know, people putting death threats in our mailboxes, stuff like that. It, it was, it was, it was. The South, doing it, you know, I always say the one thing about growing up where I grew up is you always knew who didn't like you. There was never a question. You you, you never had to wonder if this guy. up here. It's yeah, sort of up here. Up, it's disguised. You know, everybody's, mm-hmm. you know, but, but down there you knew who didn't like you and they made no bones about it. Yikes. Yeah. And you okay. still stayed to go to college and. Stayed. I mean, my family was there. Where was I going to go? You know, and once I started playing music in college, you know, we were playing that little circuit down there and, and where was I going to go? Were there bands in in your high school experience? Or? I didn't, I didn't, my first band was Houdini Blowfish. Really? Wait, Good, good start. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, well, seriously? That was my first band. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Wow. Okay. How lucky can, <laughs> let me just but, try this band thing. Oh my God, we're the biggest band in the world. But you guys were like, around for a while before you Yeah, we were a band, band for eight but, years before we got a record deal. Dude, wasn't your first band The Roots? Oh yeah. No, I mean. The square Roots. No, but I, I considered like I did work with my dad's group. Like, oh, okay, 
That's oh, you, true. oh, that's true. That's that was your true. daddy's group, but I got you. That's <laughs> <laughs> my group too. Shit, I did 13 years in that group before I got my wings. Wow. Oh, wow! No, that's amazing because usually people have to. Well, my problem was nobody in high school could play. Like I didn't have anybody in my high school that was a guitar player. I had one guy to play guitar, and I don't know. I don't know one drummer or bass player. You know, they played in the band, but nobody. Said, so know, there was no high school curriculum for music or no. There was, stuff? but there wasn't anybody going. Let's start a band. You know, like I sang and I sang in you know, high school choir and, and all that stuff, show choir and all that stuff. But it wasn't like anybody was trying to start a band, and you know, so I just never did. And then when I got into college and I met Mark, I was like, "Hey, man, let's let's jam," and we started the band. So being as though musical aspirations weren't like in your your high school years or whatever like what did you want to be when you grew up like what was your i wanted to be a singer but when you're from south carolina you you hear so many times that you're never going to make it from south carolina and so you got to decide you'll do something else so i decided i was going to be a sportscaster i went to school for broadcast journalism you know and sportscaster yeah i wanted to talk about sports you know do the sports on the six o'clock news was my goal that was way before ESPN or anything like that, back in 84. This is in high school or this is in college? When I was in to high school, I decided I was going to, yeah. Oh, that also explains why he had Oberman ESPN oh. era oh, yeah. video. Yeah, yeah. Of course, now it's making sense. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, well, I know that most down south towns are football towns, college towns. Like, you weren't a sports guy at all? I like sports. and I, I played sports until I was 13, and I just... And, uh, it was it was tough to to realize that I wasn't going to play in the NFL, <laughs> but, but uh, when all my when all my friends were better than me and they weren't going to play in the NFL, so around thirteen I decided that I, I should probably concentrate a little more on singing, and so that's when I really started trying to become a singer, just trying to learn how to sing, and really just from listening to records. I, I've never had a voice lesson in my life. It was just listening to records and singing along. That's amazing. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. Okay. So, in in where did you go to college? I went to South Carolina. Okay, so that's basically in your freshman or sophomore year. You guys, a sophomore year, I, I meet this uh, this kid. Hears me singing in the in the shower, and I come out of the shower. You know, we had those big community showers with no no with just the, just jailhouse showers, right? <laughs> yeah, we had those, and uh, and I'm singing some song in there, and he hears me, and I walk out, and he says, "You know, was that you?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "I play guitar. Let's see if we know any of the same songs," and we. Went to his room and knew about ten of the same songs and decided we were gonna. I thought I told him we could get us a gig at this chicken wing joint and that's how it all started. And you guys named yourselves Sudi and the Bluefish. Oh, dude, <laughs> I was still mad at myself about this. Uh, at first, we were the Wolf Brothers. Then we decided to get a whole band and and there was two guys. One guy I sang with him, and one guy had these really big eyes. And I used to be a real asshole. I used to give people nicknames all the time. And this guy had big eyes, and I called him Hootie, and everybody started calling him Hootie. And his roommate and best friend, who, you know, who later we found out it was his boyfriend, and uh, he had these big cheeks, and he played he played trumpet too, so he had these big Dizzy Gillespie cheeks, and he'd do that thing, and so I started calling him the Blowfish. <laughs> I'm certain that even now, do they know this story? VH1 did a 30 minute special on them. <laughs> <laughs> on them. On them. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm certain right now at the family table, <laughs> Thanksgiving, like. Oh, I'm sure they tell that story all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask the dumb question in the room because somebody's listening and somebody's thinking it. Hootie is a fish? Yeah, oh, no, Hootie is no. an owl. Oh, what? Yeah. I did not. Okay. Hootie the owl, yeah. Don't look at me. It was somebody listening right now who thought that. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you. At what point are you guys like, okay, let's 
like how do you escape South Carolina? Because I I wouldn't imagine that Charleston is a music town like Nashville. Oh no, or no. so got- was it like hey why don't we go to Nashville? Like for me, it was like we got to go to New York yeah. to make it. And we were told that by everybody. We got to go to Nashville or New York or L.A. or Atlanta to make it. And we just didn't want to do it. We st- we wanted to stay in Columbia. And uh, so we were playing a circuit. Back in back then, you could play from New York down to Florida into Tennessee. And, they, and every place had a club. Mm-hmm. And so we would just play the same clubs every six weeks. And so after a while, we started doing great at these clubs. Like, I think the last the year before we got our record deal, we each made 50 grand. Just playing clubs. Whoa! How how long have you been playing? <laughs> Wait a minute, that's oh, we played, way better than we us. played three hundred shows what? that year. But you know, it was on the, and we didn't get a record deal. When we got big, grunge was yeah. king. Nobody was trying to sign a band like Hootie and the Blowfish. Happy. And we put out a little EP called Coochie Pop, and we sold fifty five fifty. <laughs> you guys need titles. And you know, we got <laughs> Shirley Hemphill. We were watching. Shirley, we we're watching Shirley Hemphill do her stand up, and she said her daughter saved her whole Coochie Pop. <laughs> I didn't know she did stand up. I think I know that routine. Yeah, yeah. that's where we got it from. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I remember that routine. And Brilliant. Absolutely. And we so we named it Coochie Pop, and we sold like fifty, sixty thousand copies of it out of the back of our van, just selling it at shows and at these mom and pop record stores. And that's when, and it was it was before Billboard had computers, so you still had to call the the stores, and uh, people were calling these stores in the southeast. Going, who's selling? And we were like number three and number four. And the people, who the, who the is this Hootie and the Blowfish band? And they all came down looking. So this is around like 89, 90? This is around 91, 92 when it really started to take pop. off. But when did you guys what? start writing songs? Because I feel like. We started writing songs you, in 89. Because it was a cover. Was it a, you guys played covered? For, yeah, we were covered right forever. Now. Yeah. I mean, and, then, and it's so funny down to looking out because, you know, Dave Matthews got huge. We, we played frat parties with Dave Matthews. That's how, I mean, that's how big the scene was back back then. That scene was so good, and it's not that way anymore. But it, we we made we didn't even care about a record deal. We were making good money. Well, I was going to ask, what would you, how would you categorize yourselves? Because from me from me seeing you guys, and we like there have been a few of those big giant festivals yeah. where like the roots were on like the ninth stage, <laughs> 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 the backlog stage. You guys were headlining, and I would. I rarely hear people describe. I always thought that you guys were more of a jam band with pop sensibilities. Absolutely, like not all the way fish, but kind of in that lane. Like, would you consider? Because I I never considered it country pop or straight ahead pop or. Yeah. I you think because there's musicality and and absolutely we were jam band with 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 that pop sensibility because none of us could play well enough to be a jam band <laughs> nobody you know, nobody nobody wanted to hear our guitar player play a solo for 10 minutes and nobody definitely wanted to hear me play a solo because i still can't play a solo so <laughs> so and I, but we had that jam band feel about us so that's what we always that's what we always thought we were i see okay so at what point does atlantic come in the uh picture like how atlantic, you guys yeah they came in 90 atlantic came at the end of 92 and, tr- and started talking to us and everybody was but everybody was talking to us i mean and we met this guy that we liked and so we went with Atlantic and I remember making Cracked Review and there's some people right now that if you talk to them they'll tell you they signed us but they didn't they lie and uh, we, we, Danny Goldberg was president of Atlantic at the time and people went in people at Atlantic went in and told Danny Goldberg that you can't put Cracked Review out 
told him that if one guy told him that if you put correct review out, we would be the laughing stock of the music business. Why is that? Because it wasn't grunge. And gr- and everybody was buying up the grunge, and grunge was everything, you know, Kurt Cobain and and Pearl Jam and those guys, they were everything. And he they they told him to not put out. And Danny just told him we're putting a record out, and and you know the rest, I guess, just hit. Okay, so obviously, the one factor that made you guys unique was the fact that a black lead singer in yeah. this band, like how as far as once the Majors got to you guys, and at least we're courting you to sign to the label. Like, was there hesitancy as far as that? Like, was that ever the sub? Was that the ever the white elephant in the room? Oh, absolutely. How are we going to sell this in the marketing? And that was always. I mean, I I, I don't know how many times people say, you know, Lenny Kravitz did it. I was like, yeah, but we don't sound like Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, you guys weren't hippified. That's the thing. You were so dudes next door. Yes. Like exactly. keg guys next door, like. But that's the thing. You weren't. I don't. You guys weren't silly frat. You weren't. It was so normal that it worked. It yeah. was relatable. But I'm certain that someone said, like, "Well, just let the music. You know, let the music speak for itself." Yeah, like you, you notice, we're not. There's no picture of us on our first record. The Motown Theory. Yeah, yeah. and that was on purpose. <laughs> that that was on purpose. That was. Oh, somebody, y'all had me fooled. Somebody wanted to do that. You know, they didn't want people to see, you know, because if they and if they saw me on the record, they would have thought I was a drummer or the bass player, you know. And and so when we actually when we started making our first video, like people, you know, they were worried that, you know, the the, the video channels weren't going to play. Like, you know, I was like, well, you know, let's see. So there was discussions of just doing an Aerosmith and have a narrative of the story and you guys not featured. Yeah, exactly. Did that bother you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. because. Always. Always, you know, because to us it wasn't a big deal. Man, we had just played frat houses where, you know, I was called nigger and all this stuff. We had just busted our butts to get to where we were going through the South, playing all those shitty gigs that, you know, I look back on and go, I can't believe we didn't, you know, didn't have to fight our way out of that Yeah, frat. that's what I was thinking. Wasn't <laughs> yeah, no you HBCUs. Know? Yeah, Exa- you know, exactly. And, and so when we got there, I was like, man, we still got, we're on the big stage now. We still got to deal with this crap. How did your bandmate? How did they deal with? Because this is something new for them, I'm sure. It like, was new, yeah. But I mean, you know, we it, they were they were thinner skin than I was. I knew that if I was going to do this, I had to have thick skin. I knew that the instant we started playing in the South, that if I was going to do this, I got to have thick skin, and we're going to be fighting everywhere we play. And damn, I forgot because you're the front man, and I know there's always some asshole or a heckler, always or beard oh, thrown yeah. or sure. So how? Oh, you must be have like marksman like. I am pretty quick. I have Elgato. In my mind, I see you one of those clubs with the cages around. Oh. Like I just think Roadhouse. We played one of those. Wow. Oh really? Yeah. Like, uh, like Blues Brothers. Uh, Blues Brothers place that had the fence around the stage. You guys never played Raw High just for a kick. Oh, we played Raw High that night. Didn't even know it. Faked it. <laughs> That is brave. Like, does does would that ever give you anxiety? Because I, I don't know. I mean, at the most, I would probably fear facing an audience that has indifference, but not, you know, wondering every night. Hey, where's t- it going to come from? I tell you, the times when I got the most 
scared or like, but you know, we took the gigs, so we're gonna play the gig. But anxiety was playing those frat houses in the south, like going to the University of Tennessee and playing the friggin' KA. House. So private. Going to Presbyterian and playing the KA house, and you know, back, I don't know what it is like that, but back when we were in school, KA was the old South frat. You know, they basically, you know, they should have had three Ks instead of KA. <laughs> <laughs> but was it was it, was it ever a redemptive Purple Rain moment? Where it's like, where it's like, when you get to that climatic song and they're looking at each other like, yeah, yeah, but then, yeah. yeah. But then, absolutely, there was, there was, but then, uh, then we're loading our shit down and I and I oh and, and then you and the guys are standing black in the front and I hear this man that was a good band even though they had a nigger singer. Oh, heard it. The guy was right there when he said it. Oh. <laughs> and what's crazy for you is you had to go through both sides because it's like you have that and then you're not black enough on the other side. Because oh. I'm sure there were situations that, you you know, you wanted to do or even as far as publications that you wanted to talk to. And it was like, wait, I'm here. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that, That's that been the hardest thing for me is to have to get it from both sides. Like, mm-hmm. I've sold... 35 million records. There was one point where I was in the biggest band in the world. And you know I've never been on the cover of Ebony or Jet? I've had one story in in Jet. They did a story about who was going to blow fish in 96. Dog. (laughs) (laughs) You You ain't never been on there, right? We just just got got the cover of Ebony. But I'm just saying that it's, it's, even though he's, we're in different genres, Mm There is, it is a psychological mindfuck to thrive in a business where categorically or statistically the audience that's supporting you might not necessarily embrace you in real life. And on top of that, the people that you look like when you look in the mirror aren't necessarily supporting you as well. So it's, it's a very weird thing to... It, Bob Marley. It's, well, I mean, there's a lot of acts like that, but it's it's still... You, you know what's crazy? Y'all should know that it trickles down to radio too because I've been told, I, I come from radio and I've been told, okay, black people aren't into that. Like, yeah, we can't talk about that. Oh, can we just talk about what? No, black people don't. So it trickles down in all kinds yeah. of ways. I don't want y'all to just think like, you know. Well, that's also the difference because he has a lot of hits. And yeah. I got one and a half. <laughs> 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 All right, so and a half. It, the, so it, the album comes out and it becomes an unstoppable monster. Yeah, like and again, I know that no one planned any of this. It wasn't like you were oh god no doing Michael Jackson post-its on the wall like ten million. No, not at all. So at the point where it's like. Where your sound scan numbers reports are coming in daily, like, oh, guys, another million, another yeah. million, another million, another million. Does it does it get scary because like this is your first album, and are you already thinking like, damn, now the second album has to be just as good? And I was I was the one that said to the band, y'all know this is never gonna happen again, right? I mean, I, it was really, even as it was happening, it got to it got to like twelve million. And they, I mean, they wanted to go, they wanted to chase Michael Jackson. They wanted to put two more singles out. They wanted to chase Thriller. They really, really did. They wanted to put two. Borderline damn near did. They wanted to put two more singles out, but we stopped it. And because we want to respect for Michael. No, we want to make another record. We were like, this record's been out for two years. Let's make another damn record, you know? Tired of singing the same songs. Tired of singing the same songs. Let's make another record. And, uh, it was it's getting crazy, but I knew it. I, dude, we sold six million on the next record, and that's considered a flop. 
how how crazy is that? We sold six million records and it's considered a flop. That's crazy. Y'all today, if anybody sells six million, yeah, you can't. That's you can't with the, the way music is today. You can't. It's yeah. not possible. So okay, so when you get to Fairweather Johnson and 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 the other records, like, are you? Well, I mean, what's the? As far as you guys are concerned, are you guys still a tight knit unit? Oh yeah, yeah. Because usually when bands get to that level. Like you two, yeah, dog. Their entourage situation is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, even Adam Clayton like has his own private plane, yeah, his own bus, his own entourage. Like, wow. Each band member in U two has their own world. Like, it's something I've never seen before. But are you guys like okay? We're going to stay humble, stay on the same bus. We were so tight. I mean, it was a, we felt it was still us against the world. And the party was on. I mean, we, <laughs> oh, okay. We, I mean, we, we were, at that point, when Fairweather came out, we were raging. I mean, it was like, I, I, I think back to that time, and when we get together and the four of us talk, we say the same thing, thank God for letting all four of us make it out the end of that. And so the, that was something that brought us together. We were just having so much fun. We, we didn't care about the record sales. The only thing we loved is that the shows were bigger. You know that that's that's what we cared about. The shows were bigger. We're getting to play as much as we want, having a great time. I actually could afford to pay off my student loan and get me a car. Yeah, I heard that's that. Right. That was the first thing you did. That was right? the first you thing I did. Know? First check. I, so I paid jealous. off my student loan. First check. Damn. Yeah. How much was that? How much your student loan? You bought it. like seventy thousand dollars. I'm with you. Started out your first loan was like twenty though, and it just the interest just kept coming. Do you know that the Obamas paid off their student loan the first year of being in the White House? Wow. Wow. Really? Wow. I yes. know it was expensive too. They did had a lot of schooling. <laughs> they did. Yeah. That's real. That's so, crazy. So to play what what do you prefer? Like smaller uh intimate settings or is it as intimate when you're playing in the stadium or Oh, definitely not. Today I I definitely prefer, if we could play like a 2 3000 seater that's perfect. That's a good. Is that I love small. It. I don't. Is that small? I love it. That's not small. I mean, small is like five hundred in the club, but two, that's that's. I like that. But you know, like last night, I put. You know, there was you know eleven, twelve thousand people in this tennis stadium, and you just can't. You you try to give it all, but you can't see everybody. You can't. You know, you can't really get. And that's. I like that because you know that the checks are bigger. <laughs> and, and you know you're still and you you're doing all right because you got all these people here. But man, if I could play a two thousand seater. I, I love it. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. 
In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I got to ask a question. So right now, where's your Grammy? (laughs) (laughs) This this is a running joke on the Um, show. First of all, he has a lot of them. There's like 12 of them. I have a man. I have this little room where I watch football and write, and, and I got my studio in there, and there's a little closet area. If you want to see my Grammys right now, I would have to take you to them. Like you, so you, you never walk in my house and see my Grammys. I'd have to take you to them. Oh, so it's not on the floor. It's not a door stopper or oh, basically broken. It's, hold, it's, it's basically a bookend. <laughs> holding some books up. There's <laughs> the two of them are holding some books up. But uh, I mean, like I, I say, I was saying the other. Day, I don't have. I don't want people to walk in and see, like. There's not one platinum or gold record on my wall anywhere in my house. I don't have them. My no. sisters, my sisters and brothers have them all. I don't have don't. my cousins. I don't have any of them because. I don't want people walking in my living room and seeing all the, you know, 18 times platinum and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's like, I, I know what I did. You know, you know what I did. I don't have to throw it in anybody's face. So my Grammys are just little, they're in the corner somewhere. Just, if you want to see them, I'll show them to you, but you, you're not going to see them unless. They're not in the that's bathroom. Your, that's what you're asking. Yeah. No, they're not in the bathroom. Yours in the bathroom? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. I, mine are in the bathroom. Um. When did you know that it was time to leave the band and start your own solo career? I got lucky. If if our our, our drummer came in, we had you know you tour every summer, mm-hmm. and and my we were on tour in the middle of the tour, and our drummer walks in and says, "Hey man, uh, you know I don't want to be a touring band like this anymore. I want to just we we we're touring too much. So I don't want to be a touring band." And my first thought was, "Okay, really? I'm gonna go do this country record." He was like, "Yes." Yeah, I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Cool. I'll go. I'm gonna do my this country thing and see what happens." But you didn't. Right. Huh? You, as far as I'm concerned, when I first met you in 2001, you'd signed a Hidden Beach, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but that was, that we were still together. That was, we took a year off and I did that record. Then we got back together and went back on tour for, until 2008. Okay. I thought you yeah. left the group and then. No, that was, we were just taking time off for the, then. And then at 2008 was when, 2007 was when they, they called it. They, we just don't want to do this all the time. I was, okay, and we we weren't that band who could have said, "Okay, we're gonna get a new drummer." We just we're a band. Mm-hmm. When the four of us play, we play. If the four of us aren't gonna play together, we're not gonna play. 
So the grass is always greener on the other side because I was shocked. Really, I, I just just as a as a working musician, my thought is always about like my livelihood and the people I have to take care of. And yes, uh, me too. You can't. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just with 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 black people. I mean, I would think that. Everyone thinks like yeah. okay. I also feel like that. Okay, yeah, you got kids. as a working musician. Yeah. I also feel yeah. Like so to walk away from something so sure shot, and I'm sure I'm certain that by that point, you know your guarantees were yeah nice yeah for you know yeah <laughs> that time period to make that every to make your 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 grandparents night. To make your grandparents' annual salary in one 90-minute concert <laughs> yeah. is great. So to walk away from that is such a risk. Oh, yeah. And I'm not even talking about your standpoint because you're still here. But for your band members, is it – was it a rash decision or was it like, well, let's talk about it? No, first. he had thought about it for a while. I mean, you could tell when he was talking to us. And I think the band actually thought we might not play for two years, maybe three years, and we'd be out doing it again. And I'll be honest with me, I I probably thought the same thing because I was going to make the, my country record in my basement with my buddies because I didn't think I could get a record deal. Because I say all the time, if I was my brother, I wouldn't have given me a record deal. Because at that point, Hootie had run his course on the radio. We had done our thing. You know, if we were lucky, if our records would go gold, you know, and it was one, you know, we still had a touring band. We were doing great, but nobody was out buying Hootie records. And I thought to myself, if I'm the, if I'm the president of a label or ain't our guy, I'm not going to give the black lead singer of a pop band that was big a record deal to do country music. I mean, I just didn't think I'd get a record deal. And Doc McGee was my manager, and he talked to president of, of Capitol and he gave me a record deal before, before he said who I was. And then when he said who I was, I got lucky because the guy said, you know, I didn't really get that hoodie thing, but I always thought he was a country singer. <laughs> Wait, I thought you were going to say, Wait, he so- said, no! Like, yeah, how did you tell you him who you were? Yeah, I don't he, they I'm were at dinner. The story goes at dinner, and, and he's with Mike Duncan, and he says, I want you to give this guy a record deal. And Mike was like, who? And they went around for an hour, and Mike was like, I can't give him a deal without telling me. And Doc pulled the old, I'm Doc McGee. You're going to trust me on this one? I said, all right, I'll give him a deal. I'll give him a deal. And said it was me, and they called me that night. And I went in the next day, and he gave me a deal. And my, the favorite story that I hear is he said, when I decided to give you a record deal, I called the 13 people in Nashville that I thought were the tastemakers, the guys that are running country music. He said, I called my 13 friends that I thought would know, that know this business, are, are controlling this business. And I told them all I was saying to you, and 12 of them told me it will never work. Don't even do it. You're wasting your money. Who was the one? Like Hootie and the Bowfish. The guy who produced my record, Frank Rogers, was the (laughs) one guy who said, great idea, call me when you do it. Nice. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, dude, when I started going to radio, I I had radio guys who are now my best buddies. You know, when you need that extra spin to go to number one, you know, I can call them up. They'll play it two times in a row. But when I started, they told me straight up, I, I, I told people I'd never play it. He said, I've had people say to me, I thought my audience would never accept a black country singer. I thought they I had never, never heard of Charlie. I thought Pride. I would never play, but it's been twenty five years That's when I true. came along since Charlie Pride had done That's anything. True. Well, let it not be said that you aren't familiar with courting danger. <laughs> 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 now the thing is that I, I thought that that was a natural thing. Like it wasn't like I said, hmm? really? I thought like. Oh, that sense. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The same thing if Lionel Richie were yeah. to make a yeah. straight up country record or whatever. You know, which he did. 
Well, yes, he did. But yeah, I'm, I'm just great. saying that it it makes sense to me only because, like, especially now that uh, I get to talk to a lot of uh, country acts that come on the Tonight Show. Um, I'm slowly realizing that, damn, I country acts have a lot of things in common with soul yeah. 70s acts. Like, there's there's a passion there that I thought it was a perfect fit. And so, I mean, obviously, of course. If you think about it, like uh, Glass Night and the Pips, um, <clears throat> the Imagination album with um, mm-hmm. Midnight Train to Georgia, those are all country songs. Yeah. 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 Then you had the Pointer Sisters yeah. that won a yeah. country Grammy. Yeah. Yeah. The first one was a country Grammy. Right? Yeah. So, neither one of us wants to be, say goodbye was a country song. Yeah. But before we get to that, so I, because I, I know that you were working with Dre and Vidal and, yeah, and whatnot. Bit. What was that whole experience like doing? I loved it. Your neo- that's, that's, one of my, that's still one of my favorite records that I've ever been a part of. I listened to that record probably three weeks ago. That was so much fun, man. Working with those guys, working with Jill and, and working, you know, with the, I was working with the characters here mm-hmm. and working with Jazz out in LA. So where'd you record the? I recorded some of it here, some of it in Philly. Some I was about of, to say, yeah. did you do it in Philly? Yeah, it was, I mean, I love that. I love that. I still love that record. I think we had some great songs on that record. You make me feel like I've seen the sun. Your love lets me know that I'm the only one that I hear. with you oh me too I love it what was that like working in the studio with her oh great she came in we started writing that song and you know I was such a big fan and and we start writing the song and, and we get to the chorus and, and when we started cutting it was so sexy you know her <laughs> voice is so sexy and I was everything singing with her joking. everything she gives is sexy <laughs> it, was awesome. it was awesome yeah so uh speak of your um at least for the the the, the transformation into Going to the country world, how how hard was that adjustment for you? For me, it was easy. I mean, because I'm I'm just that, I'm still 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 that kid from South Carolina that thinks he got lucky. So like, they were surprised. Like when we got the first single, and I went to my label, I, I said I want to be the new guy. I said I don't want to be. I want to start from the bottom and work my way up. They're like, well, we had these ideas. I was like, well, I, I want to do a radio tour, and they were shocked because they said they had talked about it, but they didn't think I would do it. Smart. And so I went to 110 radio stations, three or four a day for five, six weeks. I mean, Brilliant. every day, busting my, you know, talking to people, shaking hands, kissing babies, playing f- for three people in the conference room and doing all that. How hard is it to, <laughs> to make them um, disattach themselves from what your past was? That was the hardest part. That was the hardest part. Of and how, how do you win that uh, armless wrestling match to... I, I just went in and I was myself. I just went in and talked and I was me and and I visited. And, you know, you'd go out and have, for, have lunch and drink some beers and have a good time. And people liked me and I had a, actually had a good song. Was that, there anybody that was mentoring you? Like did anybody that went through the process like you did that changed genres? And... No, no. That was something that somebody said to me the other day I thought of. It was like so many people that have gone from pop to try to... We were talking to a tune about trying that. Trying to do country. Yeah. And I'm the only person that's that's made it. Oh, wow. 
And oh. I, I was like, wow, I never even thought about that. But, I mean, I've had a career now. I've got eight number ones. I got a Grammy. I got, you know, five number one records. It was it's it was crazy. So, okay, for a person that's never played there, but has heard about the the folklore of uh, uh, the Grand Ole Opry, what is what is the honor or the folklore of playing the Grand Ole Opry? And it's pretty sacred in country music. It's it's like like is it a jury that decides we'll let you play there? Yes, or like, Hootie tried to play there for years. They wouldn't let us. They, they would never let us on the stage. They they, they just said well, you're not a country band, you know. We, and so the first time I played it was pretty awesome. It was just one of those out of body experiences because you know. And the day I got asked to be a member was probably the first day I thought I I was a part of the country music. So is it like the Friars Club or it's, it's like explain? Do you know? Can you explain for our audience and really yeah. me? <laughs> <laughs> what is so uh, okay, okay, assuming that you're a young upstart in yeah. Nashville, like is your dream like one day absolutely I'm play the Grand Ole Opry? And- your, your dream is to one day be a member of the Grand Ole Opry, and, uh, and uh, yeah, to play uh, you because know, everybody once you're if you're in the business you could play it. If you're a country singer, you could get on the Opry, but becoming a member, it, you know, it's just a, an honor that 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 everybody in Nashville is trying to get. And what's like what's a member like is it like the rock and roll hall of fame or is it it's not so it's not it's more like uh the friars club is probably a better way to describe it it's it's a it's a big fraternity of of musicians and we all give our time to the opry and you know the charity stuff that the opry does and all that stuff and and it's it's like everybody wants to be a member so who who initiates the idea like does your manager call them and say hey Oh, they have to come to you. They have to come to you and say, "Do you want to be a member of the Grand Ole Opry?" Are you the only pepper in that salt? Me and me and, Tro- <laughs> me and Charlie Pride. Okay. <laughs> like you we are the, the there's two pepper shakers. <laughs> I can just imagine you, like the casual fan, conversation. Were you a fan of Charlie? Absolutely. Like, as, growing up as a kid with with like limited uh, television shows on, but a lot of variety shows, I definitely remember like. Charlie Pride, always seeing him on yeah. these variety shows in the seventies, but um, I'm not that familiar with his discography. So, I mean, yeah. did he get a lot of play? He got a lot of play South- where we lived. Like, I, I was an AM radio kid where I just sit and flip through the radio and whatever song I like, I'd stop on it. And and Charlie Pride, I mean, and even in our house because he hell was big in our house because it was one of the only places you could see music on I used TV. To always watch E-Hall. E-Hall. Yeah, I see watched, exactly. I watched, I watched too, yeah. Exa- exactly. And so, you know, Charlie wait, Pride. Wait, I, time out. I watched Hee Haw too. Oh, no, no. I thought you said roll call. I quoted it in my roll call, my Darius oh, Rucker roll call. I thought you meant that roll call was derivative of a oh, sketch Hee-haw, from no. Hee Haw. But it is also a dance in D.C. we made up, but that's fine. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, continue. And, and so he was really big. And uh, he was, for me, as a kid, I was always that kid who wanted to do something different, who always, and I always thought it was cool that Charlie Pride was, you know, doing something that we weren't supposed to do. You know, we, we weren't supposed to sing country music. And this guy was not just sing country music. He was entertainer of the year, two years. He, you know, he hosted the CMAs a couple of years. And I thought this guy, you know, he was somebody I, I definitely looked up to as a kid. Uh, have you, I know it's, well, with a lot of singers in the business, like some of them are kind of slow to, meet someone more successful. I'm not saying like your idol or whatever. Yeah. Like you, 
don't meet your heroes or whatever. But do you guys have a relationship? Oh, yeah. Was it? We're we're friends. We're we're definitely friends. We we talk. We we hang out when we when we can. And the whole Ebony and Jet thing. I didn't even think about that until Charlie said that to me. When he, he hasn't said, either. Never. And when he said that to me is when I thought I was like, wow, I've never. Been like, yeah, I was like, because that's that was the kind of things I just let go because I'm like, it's just not going to happen. I'm gonna do. And then I thought, wow, Charlie Pride's never been on the cover of Ebony or Jet. I mean, I was like, wow. And I was like, you know, I, I guess I kind of understand me, but that guy's. I would love to superstar. know his story. Oh, you would. You should have him on. He's he'll tell you too. He, he's I a love ba- him. He's a baseball player and everything. He was a baseball player. Yeah. I love him. He Charlie Charlie's one of the guys you love to hang out with because he loves to tell stories. And I'll sit there for hours and just let him talk and just laugh. And he's you should have him on. He's great. Dear guys have been doing. Please make this happen. <laughs> Were you guys friends before you decided to do country or no, after? We met when I started doing country. So when he found out, like, yes. what was the first initial conversation that you guys? Our had? first conversation was he was hosting the Opry. And I was on the Opry that night, and him and I got there early so we could sit in a room, just me and him, for an hour. Wait, we laughing about getting there early? Yeah. 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 don't know nothing about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, Darius, your country people get here real Busted. early. Yeah, shout out to your publicist. Shout out to Aaron. I wish you could, see. Aaron, wish you could like, see our text message. She was like, country like, people come early. early. Yeah. Like, what black man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> 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 so early oh, <laughs> you got me man you got me so you guys got there early and, and, and we just sat and talked for like an hour an hour and a half we just sat in a room just me and him and talked and I picked his brain about you know about his life and my life and what I can expect and, and I, I'll be honest with you one thing I said to myself years ago we were talking earlier about the frat house and all that stuff I said to myself years ago no matter what I go through, I can handle it because I can't imagine what Charlie Pride went yeah. through. I can't imagine what he went through to succeed the way he did. And I always said, if he could take that, I could take whatever they got to throw my way. But I'm, I'm almost scared for you because it's kind of like a semi-resurgence of Charlie Pride's oh, tell me time. About it. So I'm like, you're right. I hear you. Buddy. Oh, you're right. And the funny thing is the only time I've ever really experienced something that was just so blatantly racist at one of my shows is we're playing a show in upstate New York. Upstate New York. I'm we're playing surprised. a show and all of a sudden we see these six giant, giant rebel flags and these guys are walking around the crowd carrying a rebel flag. So my boys are like, hell no. So Please they all got together and they went out. Hootie or Darius? No, Darius. And these guys went out and grabbed these, you know, grabbed these cats. And these cats were straight up. We are the local chapter of the KKK. Whoa. We are here to bet to. People don't know about the East Coast KKK. We're like, are you? We were like, y'all are getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, y'all got to go. And we kicked them out. It How was long crazy. How was this? God, three years? Oh, man. Trouble with the world is we're too busy to think about it all. Like, why is there rubble playing here from the state house walls? Tired of hearing this shit out here today. Okay. Um, well, since we're talking about uh, this is really appropriate, can you talk about the song Drowning, um, which seems to be quite as relevant now as it was 20 years ago when it was first released? Yeah, you know, we uh, the rebel flag used to be on top of our state house. Like, it would be the U.S. flags, the 
the South Carolina flag and the rebel flag flying over the state houses. There was a big controversy that we just wanted it taken down. We wanted it taken down. And so one night I was out at the bars and there was this cat. He was a homeless cat. And uh, he, uh, his name was Spider. We all call him Spider. And he's, he's sitting on the thing. And so I went back into the bar and I grabbed two beers and I go down and I sit next to Spider and we start talking and we're drinking my beer before I go to the next bar and we start talking about the rebel flag. And he, he you know, he knew the band and he said to me one thing. He said, you know, all the, you know, all the hate, that hate that's going on you, he said, you know, it's you they hate. And I went, wow. He was like, I was like, what do you mean? He was like, you're out there playing with these white boys. You're the one they really hate. And I went, wow. And I went home that night and I wrote Drowning. And Drowning, it's a protest song. I mean, there's no other ways you could say it's a protest song. And, and uh, I just, I wanted to, I was so frustrated in, that night and I was so like taken aback by what Spider had said that I sat down and, you know, and I wrote it. And, you know, when it came down, uh, that was one of the songs they were playing at the State House when they were taking it down. I thought that was pretty cool. That's Do you stand that with the so now you know now that the flag issue is down now there's the statue issue. How do you feel about? I'm just curious because I know South Carolina, you know they've been pulling statues down around there. The thing that the thing that kills me about uh, all the people who go, you know, we're you're forgetting history. They, these are the people who claim to be these patriotic Americans, and the, the South tried to destroy the Union. They tried to destroy what America was, what America, and also they could keep black people as slaves. Mm-hmm. And they were terrorists, and they were, you know, and and, and they want to keep that up. But all those were put up in the Jim Crow era, and they were put up to to show black people we are still the man. Know, we're still the man. We hate mm-hmm. you. We're going to put all these things up, and people don't realize that. You know, that, that wasn't put up in in eighteen eighty. They was, think that it was. They though. think that it was, yeah. but it wasn't. It was put up to, during Jim Crow to to keep black people in their place, mm-hmm. so to say. And so I'm I'm good with taking them down. South Carolina boy, I love it. Based, <laughs> so based on what what's going on now, I mean, how awkward is it doing press in that circuit, um, especially with what's going on now? I, I know that you're a big sports yeah. fanatic, yeah. and it's almost like every day you wake up, everyone, America wakes up sort of panic-stricken because they're not knowing – what's going to be reported next on the news the second they turn it on. And now just dealing with the white house and the national anthem and football and everything. I mean, how hard is it to just sell your product in that marketplace and, and, and uh, kind question. of yeah. step between, uh, uh, you know, landmines of, of, of avoiding being a spokesperson or con- and and the thing for me, it's hard both ways. Because like, I sing the national. I was in London singing the national anthem just a little while ago. But I just the way I was raised, I can't, I, I I can't kneel doing the national anthem. I understand why they do. Trust me, I've been stopped. I've been stopped for driving a nice car a million times. I got brothers and cousins and uncles and friends, and I'm totally with what the what all, what those guys are protesting. You know, and I get it from there. But then. You know, like you said, you're out trying to sell a product and people want to talk about what's going on. And, you you know, you say the wrong thing. Look at the Dixie Tricks. You say the wrong thing one time and your career could be over. I mean, it, it you know, career suicide. In country, it seems yeah, like, Yeah, in though. country. I mean, not especially, really. Especially in country. You got, yeah. you got a, the Dixie Chicks said one offhand thing. The day before they said that, they were the most played band on country radio by far. Long live Natalie. The day they said that, 
They haven't been played since. I've never heard a Dixie Chick song on the country radio. I listen to country radio all the time. I've never heard a Dixie Chick song. And that, that you know, you look at that. Right. And so you stay true to, I stay true to who I am. You know, I do. If you ask me a question, I'll answer it. I'll answer it the way that, that I want to answer it. But it's like, it's, it's such a fine line to walk out there, you know, because you, you always want to do the right thing, but then you have to think about, you know, about this, about my career, about all this. And, and so it's tough getting it sold, but you've got to go out there and work. It doesn't sound like you, you asked to be a spokesperson for race, but you seem to have, it, it seems to be this responsibility that's been put upon you just because of the, these lines that you seem to be walking. What is that like? I mean, like, I don't, you know, like, I feel like some people, they, they want to talk about race and it's very important to them. And this just feels like where you live and the, 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 the genres that you jump yeah. between, you're automatically this sort of yeah. featured whether you want person, it or not. whether you want yeah. it or not, which is... And it's almost crazy like, and ridiculous, but like that's kind of part of being black. <laughs> well, okay, no, but <laughs> I, I, for me, for I me a white fear. person, I'm just I, I, I don't know what that's like. Whenever <laughs> I'm in this situation, I have a fear of True. like, oh god, please don't let an awkward statement happen. Please, I just want to. I live that. I just want to go to Starbucks <laughs> and get my coffee. Yeah. I live that every day and whatever. Right. So yeah, like I did the CBS Saturday morning thing, and, and and it goes so crazy because I did the CBS Saturday morning thing, and I you know I was doing exactly what you're saying. Don't let me say something awkward something you know and i because i started talking about the well, not even you i'm just from oh i'm with other you. people yeah oh yeah coming like some question or something that that gets me to say something and, and then i go well yeah you know, right right come on man you know like you know it's just it's a fine line plus you're like a double agent in a way so i feel like you have like information you know what i mean i do you do <laughs> so I, i'm sorry if we're asking too many questions i'm like oh no, i know okay. there's i'm like what do you do when they talk about the nra just so much they're all your fans like it's just man it's fascinating you're fascinating you should be on the cover of ebony yeah <laughs> make make it happen like you please if i i'm on the link okay <laughs> i'm the blackest up <laughs> all right y'all you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. How hard is it to navigate a career and a personal life? Uh like away from your career like are you a 24 hour i have to constantly tour i have to always make music is it just like okay i want time off to you know have a family life or that sort of thing like how hard is it to i think that's probably the main reason i live in charleston it's because normalcy the place where i live everybody knows me like i've been living there i've been living in the same neighborhood for 20 years now everybody knows me they've they've you know, I grew up with a lot of people. Like, I played the show the other night, and I knew half the people in the crowd. <laughs> and so, because uh, I, I, I don't have to work all the time. I love being off. I love being with my kids. I love being home with the family. I love that. And and so, I lived there so I could just have a normal life. Because really, outside of my job, my life's pretty pretty normal. You'd be, I mean, like, people are surprised when they hang out with me, because I go to I go to Walmart and Target every day. I go to the grocery store I every day. I expect Darius Rucker in the, the Walmart. I do. I yeah, expect to see. Him. I do. You yeah, you would see me. I love it. What's it like being around? Because all your brothers and sisters are still in the area yep. too, right? Yep. So not to be all up in your business, mm-hmm. but since oh, you she's going to be in your yeah. business. <laughs> <laughs> but since you did have such a successful band, you are such a successful artist. Do you get to? I learned this from Questlove. Retire people? Like, are there certain people that you like, you know, like certain, your older brothers and sisters, you're like, don't worry about it. Do you have you. hanger on? There was, yes. There was Wait the, a minute. Why would you even answer that question? <laughs> I didn't say hanger on. I made it pretty. There, I made it pretty. There was one thing I said to my sisters and brothers when Cracked Reviews started taking off. I no. Said, I said, I love you guys. Uh-huh. I said, I love you guys, and you guys will never be kicked out of your house. Okay. You'll always have a car. Okay. But we are not rich. I am rich. Dog. We are not rich. I'm rich. Yes. I will take care of you. I will make sure. I will make sure you never ever. If you're if you're four months late on your on your on your you. mortgage, call me. But I, you're not getting a new house. But you, you ain't to... getting a brand new house just because you want a house. And I'm not writing a check for it. That's beautiful. And and Dog, where were you all my life? <laughs> you don't have as many brothers and, and sisters. And as the you thing does, is, they though. know they can call me anytime. They know if they call me and say, you know, Darius, I'm in a bind. I'm gonna be there in a minute with cash or a check or whatever you need. Aww. But don't expect me to change your life. This I I can't change it because I want to I want to stay this way. I don't want to be broke. I have an innate fear of being broke someday. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, because I grew do. up poor. You know, and I have this great fear of being broke someday, and I ain't having it. I, I just want to take about seventeen seconds to appreciate this moment. First, the Dilla siren. <laughs> okay, because it's just hit me that there's a black man in this business. Mm-hmm. That has went diamond. Yes. That shows up on time. <laughs> early. 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 Um, and doesn't have uh, street dreams and aspirations. Because naturally, I'm thinking, even whatever, I mean, even whatever, my, my faux humble approach, you know, even I'm thinking, like, okay, diamond, yeah, definitely. I'm going to have a yacht and 12 houses and blah, blah, blah. But 
12? The, oh, for your record collection. Yeah, you just yeah, have storage spaces for your record collection. Right, right. Yeah, well, they got to have a home too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just saying that you're you're totally going against the narrative of someone that should... I mean, I've, I, just every person I know that's in your position has family and friends that they have to carry on their back. In their pocket. They have to show up late. You know, there. I know someone whose ex-wives live in a, a commune, a gated commune. I showed you the Text photos. Me. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, yeah, you did. He showed us the photo. He showed us the photo. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see the photo. <laughs> no, but, I mean, we have them. But you said that, you know, like, if... if the mentality, especially with black folk, is like if one of you is rich, we all rich. He's rich. Yeah. Yeah. We're not rich. How do you know how to say the word no? Oh. Well, you were smart enough to do it <laughs> yeah, in the I beginning. Did it early. Which means that you might have had foresight that this might be a big thing. Yeah. I mean, when it started taking off, I realized it was going to be a big thing. And, and, and how, how hard could you, how, how long could you? Sort of squelch and hide the oh. money. Never. <laughs> oh, don't, don't. I had to say like, that because oh, the same Volkswagen. I still have my first car. I'm still driving my same. You know, Scion. Uh, it's a called a Scion. Scion. Scion yeah. I have. I have one house. I keep it just for. It's not appearances. very big. I got one house. Not very big because I didn't want a big house because I didn't want my kids to be able to get lost in it. You know, <laughs> you got a 25 square foot house. You could. You cannot find your kids if you want to. <laughs> right. I got a nice house. I drive a free car. You know, free car. Yeah, Dan Marino told me a long time ago. Let your let your community take care of you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the name of that Dan dealership? Dan Marino. Marino. No. Yeah. Yo, he Dan was my new Charlie Pride. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're officially me my mentor, man. <laughs> 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 he told me that, and he's right. Let your community take right. care of you. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dan Marino hadn't paid for a car since he was a rookie. Yeah. His kids get free cars. The dealership booth, just yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, that can happen. Well, yeah. yeah, I drive a suburban, man. Free. Radio DJs get that. I get a new one every six yeah. months. Do you know how many <laughs> DJ gigs I had to do to get my birthday gift downstairs? <laughs> well, your birthday gift downstairs ain't yeah. no sign. Yeah, that's yeah, not a sign. yeah. That ain't no suburban. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, need a driver. It might be. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe some cousins are listening right now. Yes, they are. How, wait, how does that happen? Okay, now I need you to mention me. <laughs> Dan wait, Marino he, told me. Yeah. Oh, he did. Wow, I did not know did I know? could ask for free stuff. <laughs> ask Dan Marino, apparently. dude. You just get to get with the right guy. Yeah. And, and athletes know because they're always getting those uh, those deals. Because because yeah. you got to think well, about the question. I also I also come from management that uh, uh, well, ain't no, nothing no, free. Well, no, no, no. It's it's just they they. They successfully, for the longest, talked us out of that lifestyle. Um, you know what I mean? Like, again, I got my license when I was 34. Wow. I got my first car when I was 34. It was traumatic. Wow. A lot of driving him around. A lot I'll of driving him around. No, I mean, we were a touring band. Like, their whole logic was, even how I met Jimmy, like, when I finally begged and begged and begged and begged and begged, let me get a house in L.A., please. First day out there, I meet Jimmy. And then it's like, crap, got to move back, you know, Yeah. East Coast. So whenever I try to really floss, <laughs> you know, it's it's always backfired. So I was even talked out of. Would you like me to floss on your behalf? Sure enough. 
Just give me the access to this. Or just learn from Darius <laughs> and don't floss. He don't floss, although I'm sure those boots aren't cheap. I know. I was looking, at those, I was looking at those no. boots earlier. I was that, that's something earlier. I do splurge on. Ah, my boots. Yes. Where did that yeah. snake come from? Darius Rucker's boots are not to be snake. fucked with. Yeah, they're yeah. not. Actually, yeah, this, I'm, I'm gonna yeah, get a picture like, of those and post them on Instagram later. Yeah, I like my boots. I've had them. What are they made of? Rattlesnake. Yes, they are. Yeah. Did you kill it? Yes. <laughs> is it, Darius, can you tell me? Is it rude to ask somebody if they have a, a light? They have their license. Like, is that rude? No, that's not rude. I don't think you. I, I you can't believe you have to ask somebody that. No, not a driver's license. Their oh. gun license. Is that, oh, is yeah. that rude? See, this Everybody, is stuff that I can learn from you. you Everybody's got a gun license. Wait, where's this okay. coming from? Yeah. Because you he said that about asked, Heather Hunter. Well, no, I asked because he said he killed him. Even though I know I don't think you did. No way. I think right. he. I would have ran from this snake. But it, it led me in my mind to think, damn, I wonder if Darius hunts. So like, you know, you're in that world, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I, I got a gun license. <laughs> okay. See? I don't know. Yeah. I never Any other white people questions you want to yeah. ask? Yeah. When I think of them. I feel like you're asking all the white folk questions. No, it's Jesus more like country, Christ. not white. Because, you know, it's more the white people than I thought you got us genres. on Ebony and Ted. Why are you all the white questions? Just, you don't know about Southern country white neither, bitch. Uh, <laughs> wrong. I married a Southern white country oh, person. Okay, Thank you very bad. much. But she not a She loves me, too. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's a huge <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! That so me. that key, you see that key and peel thing that they did on me? They did, oh, yeah. they, they did a sketch on me. And he said, "We're down in, we're down in Nashville, and we're doing a show." And I say, "Hey, I do nice to meet you." Go, hey, love you. We love Darius. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't mind? That's good. Oh, Saturday Night Live, fun. they have fun with you. Oh, too. dude, I love it. I, when you're on Saturday Night Live or Key, and, that means you made it. I love that stuff. <laughs> I don't care what they that. say. Okay. I love it. All right. So what? What are you, not? What You're are your plans? You're still pissed about the cars, aren't you? I mean, for you, is it? No, I, I'm still in my head. <laughs> even though I have a question, life after when was the last time? I'm still thinking like, how do I get a free car? So, as far as your your career is concerned, like, what would you hope is your legacy? And as far as like what your at the end of the day, like, is there anything that you've not achieved besides Ebony and Jet? Um, you gonna do Electronica next? No, no. <laughs> the only thing, honestly, the only thing I haven't done that I want to do is I'm ever since I can remember, like, ever since really Notorious Big was was killing it. I want to sing the hook on a big rap record. So yo, bad. make it so yo. bad. Oh, I want I want to be Nate Dogg so bad. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh I'm dying to. Mark I mean, dying moment. to. You this can is help there. Dying to. You know something? Oh. Yo, if only Fonte was here. I know Fonte. The Carolina connection. Oh, that would be a duet. Damn, Ooh. Fonte, why'd you have to get married now? Oh, it's like Gregory um, Hines and Luther Vandross. <laughs> you know something? <laughs> I'm not wet, girl. I'm, I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> Way too high. I'm going to talk to you <laughs> after the show. <laughs> because I have a project you might be interested in. It's not an album, but it's concerning that very person. And you are the perfect person to do this. <laughs> Quest, Quest Love, I would just say Dreams. this. I'm sorry. I'm, say I'm serious crypto. Everyone's like, what are you talking about in here? I want to say this. You could ask me to sing "Poo Poo Poo," <laughs> and the respect that I've have that I have for you, and I love you, and I, I, I love the roots. Thank I you. would do whatever you wanted me to do. I appreciate. Absolutely. You. Okay, I, I guess I will reveal it because get him a car. You know, I, I can't keep it a secret um, because of uh, well, 2018 coming up. 
will be uh, somewhat of a notable anniversary year for a lot of uh, seminal classics and music of 1993. Uh, I've been, we've been going back and forth uh, with the uh, Dre camp, mm-hmm. uh, trying to figure out a way how to celebrate his 25 year milestone with the chronic and doggy style both are Ooh, yeah. there in the 25s um so we're still in the talking stage right now but one of the one of these snags in the thing was like yo who's going to be Nate dog right. and i've been wrecking that's the shit. You got it. You got still, it, Darius. I am still in. I will cancel my tour. <laughs> I don't think your manager will be happy about that. He'll be all right. You can pay later. He'll just pay later. They'll just be early. And you can show up five minutes yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be there waiting for y'all like this. <laughs> Yo, and then we can talk about getting him in the museum. It's, I hope he's there. I just, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Smithsonian. I'm not in this facility. Are you sure? A hundred percent? I don't think I am. You don't think? We're going to check on that. We got to call Timothy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's probably one of the most amazing experiences of any, well, for black people especially, to, to see that museum in, in D.C. Oh, yeah. It's, but we need more white folks to go see because, you know. No, wait, are you kidding? Yeah. Have you seen the lines lately? I know, I've seen the lines. It's, it's yeah. No, it is. It's, it's almost like I want more black folks to see it. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. They coming. <laughs> Trust me. We sold white... it out the first year, and now it's on them. That's right. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know. But it's, I I shall make it an introduction. Shout out to uh, Timothy Ann. Uh, uh, yes, her name is Timothy Ann. You don't need no ebony, because you're going to be in the Smithsonian. You know what I'm <laughs> Oh my God, hype white girl. Calm down. <laughs> so, holy shit. You're like making me nervous. I know. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, let me wait, turn wait, can I, get control I just my... want to talk about Darius. He All right, so, shit. Like, besides, besides singing on a rap hook <laughs> and see if we can make that happen, uh, what what are some of your other bucket lists in life? Like, do you still get an itching to do sports commentary and the, uh, those things? You know, I always tell the local sports guy in Charleston that when I retire, he just he's he's just holding my seat for me, and he hates when I say that. But I might do that when I. But like musically, I mean, I'm still so far above where I thought I'd ever be. There's really not much else that I want to do. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm having a blast where I am. First, I'd like to do this for four or five more years, if it's re- you know. But I want to be relevant if it's over. You know, I'll I'll still tour and everything, but I'm not gonna, you know, force it down anybody's throat or anything like that. Is there such thing as retirement? I don't think it's. Re- I think retirement means you just play, you know, fifty shows a year. Instead well, I'm of just 100. saying that if you could <laughs> stop and just let the checks come in or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the residual game is like as far as like songs being licensed. You guys, okay, I I hate to admit that. Have I mentioned the the friends thing already? Oh God! Okay, yeah, I fell down. You guys are in one episode. One yes. of your songs is in. Yes. Okay. Early earlier this summer, when I took the one vacation I ever take a year, um, Alan Yang of uh, Masters of None, um, Master of None fame with Aziz Ansari, yeah, directed a Jay Z video in which they perfectly oh, mirrored yeah. a Friends episode. episode. 
but nerd ass me had to <laughs> watch both episodes to see if they had it cut for cut. Uh-huh. And then somehow I may or may not have watched all 230 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I fell down a vicious rabbit, friend's rabbit. I don't know Jesus. why I did it. I had nothing to do. I was in Shep Gordon's backyard and, you know, just yeah. literally every day I watched season for season for season. For season. So I know that there was a Hootie song in there, but wow. as far as like licensing songs for movies and those things and commercials and that stuff, like it's still been, it's still pretty good. It's yeah, is one able to retire <laughs> and not have to? Yeah, I can mean, you say no to that? Not family members are like, oh, well. yeah, I could I could retire right I could retire right now and live a pretty good life. That's the I, die. I ain't looking at you. I'm not gonna rob you, Darius. I just was looking. I, <laughs> She's trying to get my social security out of my face. Yeah. Well, wow. man, I thank you very much for coming on our show. Oh, we appreciate it. Me. Congratulations on this brand new album as well, too. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Really when was the last time? Thanks a lot. Wait, you watched 250 episodes of Friends? <laughs> it's 236. Shit. Wow. I've only you, seen one. That's like one more. You're in. in. <laughs> <laughs> true. I've only seen one. I'm a completist, man. It's, you know. It's, you know. Uh, this is not going to go over well. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he just he was, lost he a was looking at me like he's about to disown well, me. There's only yeah. one reason why somebody would watch all those episodes of Friends. What's that? They have no real friends. <laughs> <laughs> only thing he said the whole show, y'all. Yeah. Drop the, the mic. Only thing he said. Drop the mic. Way to go, sugar. Way to go. <laughs> so what, what, are, what are your plans uh, with the new album? Are you going to tour? Yeah. What are you going to? Yeah, I'm going to tour next year. We're going to do a few shows here at the end of the year, and then I'm Probably take November, December off, and uh, go to Australia. I think at the end of February, March, a while to go to Europe for a minute, then come and do the states. Didn't you play the Apollo recently? Yes, I heard about that Thursday night. What was that like? What was it like for you? That's like Ebony Magazine. When we were kids, you guys know when we were kids, we didn't talk about the Garden. We didn't talk about the Coliseum and Columbia. We talked about playing the Apollo. Right. And I've always wanted to play the Apollo. And when they had the show, Showtime at the Apollo, who do you got to play on the stage? We played two songs on Showtime at the Apollo. Steve Harvey? What? what? Yeah. Steve Harvey? Yeah. What? For our second record, we played, we played the TV show, Showtime at the Apollo. Yeah. How did that Time go? Time out. There? What was that like? It was, <laughs> it was uh... <laughs> it was a little different. You didn't get no, get no booze, though. No. Oh, yeah, I was drunk. Um, but uh, Thursday night. <laughs> Wait. Thursday night. <laughs> Thursday night, we set a record for white people in the Apollo. Yeah. And, uh, in Harlem. Uh, yeah. And it was. It was. It was. Actually, uh, Metallica might have had you beat. It was awesome. That's true. Yeah. 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 They played the Apollo. Yeah. The, uh, McCartney played the Apollo, too. So they probably had us. We were probably even. <laughs> we were probably even. <laughs> but it was. It was greater than I ever thought it was. It was such a great show. And being on that stage, and we like. Broke out some Temptation songs and, and all this nice. stuff. It was it was nice, man. It was great. Yeah, you, do you mix up the repertoire of, of songs you like to cover in your show? At Always, because I was I still love covers. I'm a cover band singer. I mean, so we'll we'll break out like we break. We do this thing where we do uh, Garth Brooks uh, uh, "Friends of No Places" right into "No Diggity." Oh <laughs> shit! Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's crazy. Wow. I mean, back to back, <laughs> it's crazy. Also, that shit got, works. Yeah. That shit does I work. I got to bring up my Garth Brooks analogy. What? Your R&B record, Chris Gaines. Right? Chris Gaines. Oh. I remember that Chris Gaines yeah. record. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought like that it. was a dope concept, my stuff. <laughs> like, oh, I thought it was a good concept, me? too. Yeah. Oh, I did not think of it. Sorry. It's but Darius was just Darius. I think about it at home. Singing R&B. <laughs> at home. But I yeah. think you he... He definitely got more traction. Oh, no, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Garth kind of ran screaming after that failed. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what's weird? Uh, I think... 
when he came on our show, was supposed to come on our show, uh, one of his, one of uh, Garth's, uh, the internet songs, like the extra songs that we do on the show, was supposed to be from that. Uh, what was the name of his? Chris. Yeah, Chris Gaines, I am yeah. Chris Gaines. Do you have country friends? What, do you mean, what, what does that mean? You know, like other country like artists. Oh, I'm friends with all those. Yeah, that's the one thing about the community. The country music community is real tight. I got on my record. I got Luke Bryan, Jason Aldean, Ooh. all on one on the same song. Oh, those big ones. Though. Oh yeah, those are my boys. Yeah. Actually, I have a question oh, about the the industry, the country music industry. I I have a, a pretty good idea of what most people's gripes are with within the R and B and hip hop industry. What do you not like about the country music music industry? Radio is so slow. Like right now, radio is in such a slow burn with songs, yeah. and it you know it takes. If you're not one of the five big ones, it, it could take. Thirty weeks for your, for your for your song to go up the charts and hit number. I think my last number one took like forty weeks. Is it is it the same system as so with hip hop and a lot of clear channel uh, related stuff? Songs are added way ahead of time. So you know, like uh, if if you're taking Beyonce's newest song that hasn't come out yet, they'll pre-program it way you know weeks ahead of time. Yeah. Is it? Is it more mom and because I know that you know with a lot of the record sales like you know Walmart plays a bit like they're still buying physical copies. Yep. Is radio still eh, ten fifteen years behind as far as ads and as far as the country world is concerned? Oh yeah, yeah. It's still they they you know they add it and you know you get a you're the most added song of the week and you still don't make the top forty. You don't make the top fifty. You know, just because you're getting spent, you're getting spun at three in the morning, or four in the morning, five in the morning. And then it's a slow build. They just want to build and they want to build. And I, I don't know. It's just the way it is. I don't know why it's like that. And it's like that for everybody. Taylor Swift too, because I'm wondering. Oh, I was starting. No, to okay. Taylor is like Taylor's the unicorn in the room. Because <laughs> she doesn't even do country anymore, so I'm like, yeah, it like, just automatic. She doesn't count. Okay. She's yes. like uh-huh. Kenny Rogers. Well, no, even then, Kenny Rogers huh? still get play on. Let me don't Scooby Doo me yet. <laughs> no, just meaning that she's more pop ubiquitous than that's what I thought than, than mm. country. Um, Shania. So I'm saying that you know, are you chilling with like uh, Casey Musgraves? Sure. Or, or uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chris Stapleton. Yeah, Chris. I love Chris. Chris Stapleton. and I've written three, two, three of my number ones together. Wow. Word. Yeah. Who is so that? is he the real deal? He's the real deal. This is how good he is. Because I was like, every time he performs, man, we're, we're always like, damn, he, he he got us again. Like, Dude, this is how good he is. When we write a song, he can't sing the demo. <laughs> because he sang the demo to one of my number ones, and I wasn't going to cut it. Because he Cause sang it good. so freaking good. I kept saying to my producer, Have I can't sing Have you seen Chris Stapleton? Like no, I haven't seen him for you would, You would be a Chris Stapleton Stan, what a you know I'm old school. I'm, I'm Dolly Kenny. I don't oh, know. nah, nah, nah just sick. nah. I mean, like you, he, yeah, like oh, he must be cute. Too. I would want Chris Stapleton on a Roots album. Like wow. that's how good he is. Yeah, but Darius Rucker first because you already told him that y'all was gonna do. <laughs> yeah, he. We already got that. We. we already got that. <laughs> but I'm just saying that's how dope he is. Like he's listen. You I, should. After I listen to you, I was album. I was trying to look under the hood to see you know what what was there and you know but it's he's he's the real deal man. I'm a, and Chris is doing it without radio play. Chris has never. I don't think Chris has ever had a record in the top ten, and he's got the number one selling record. Wait, how's two, he killing? Yeah, 
I don't know. He's killing it because people know it's real. They're going to shows and everything. I don't think Chris has ever had a record in the top ten. Oh, so he's like too short. Well, he's maybe country music is con- catching up in that way, though. Like, there's a lot of people. No, nah, he's, he's too like progressive. Him. Like, that's what I mean. He's so I mean, I like him. So uh, that's how progressive he is. Yeah, he's like, great. He's know, a real deal. He's just it's off the chain. So, man, have you ever seen gone to a club and seen another black person sing country? I'm trying to see who's after Darius. Like, I is see they be this just guy, Darius Kane Brown, okay. who's got a number one right now. His okay. his record's number one this week. What's his name? Kane Brown. And there's a couple other young ladies that are uh, coming that are coming up that are trying to. Mickey Guyton is one tr- trying to get a foothold, just, you know, trying to get a hit. And uh, there's there's a few. I think me coming over and having success. I'm not gonna say I opened doors, but that 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 A and R person who would have looked at the CD and saw it was a black person and throw it in the trash probably gives it a listen now. And and, and so there's there's guys coming along. Okay, good. There's a black hockey player now too. There's a lot of them. He's been we're, around. We're taking They've over hockey. Yeah, yeah. There's like 14 of us in hockey now. We're <laughs> taking <laughs> over. There's a black hockey goalie, too. Have you ever seen that? That's the ultimate anomaly. That exists. How could you say that with Grant Fuhrer was the, one of the greatest Bam. ever? Oh, that's true. Sports, Sports guy. Talk. Now, finally, thank get you. Him, him, these You're guys totally right. Follow me and all my sports references. Now, take that. Dude, we go super that. deep on college football right now if you yeah, want to. We could. I, hey, I could go as deep as you want to go, man. Gamecock's not doing so well this year. What Uh-oh. are you talking about? We're four, We're five and two. Whooping, taking Damn, he names. got you again. Damn. Bill, just man. give it up. Five I come from an Auburn. My ex-wife. The, the same one who's from Alabama, she is an Auburn fan, and it be uh, as a Jewish kid from Long Island, you don't know uh, what that's like until you get there, and it's fucking insane. Is it, the, it's the atmosphere insane. is absolute insanity. Yeah, absolute insanity. Why is it such a religion though? It because they don't. It, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. Yeah, there's no there's pro no, teams. Right. I mean, there's pro teams in the area. Like we got the Falcons or we got Charlotte, but like, oh y'all. And 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 the thing is. When you go to school for four or five years, you you're invested in it. And when your football team is, I mean, football's everything in the southeast. Everything Saturday stops. So Saturday stops. Like That's my tailgating spot is one of the few things I've spurs on. <laughs> the shoes. And I the spent tailgate. so much money on this tailgate spot, but for me, it was like I want to go be able to tailgate without people bothering well, shit, me. Can I come? Wait, yeah. so oh, damn, I just said, can I come? Please, <laughs> without people bothering me. No, I mean, me. Well, my friends are there. So wait, isn't that your tailgate spot? Not outside, you know? It's outside. So you got a lace f- screen. It's fenced in. I got me a big old. Uh, it's called. I got a big old caboose that's in there. <laughs> I love uh, these overdone oh, yeah, tailgates. I, dude, tailgating is crazy. Shit. It's, 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 it's awesome. Amazing. And we get there four hours before the game. By game time, hammered. <laughs> what? Darius, what's your drink of choice? Uh, I drink beer, uh, but uh, I like to drink. I'm a whiskey drinker. Okay. I got my own whiskey out now. Backstage whiskey. If any of you drink Shut backstage up. southern whiskey, if you ever heard of it, whiskey. backstage whiskey. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Bottle it. Next time, you know, I'll, br- I'll bring you a bottle. Okay. Well, oh, wait, we're all pulling out our phones. <laughs> <laughs> the whiskey right now. I'm making whiskey notes. It's not even 2 p.m. in the afternoon right now. Like that that it's going to be six eventually. Backstage. <laughs> <laughs> Five o'clock. Somewhere. Exactly. Yes, we will show up unannounced at your house anytime. In, <laughs> you're welcome anytime at my house in at in Charleston. Um, well, I thank you very much for coming on our show today, thank you. ladies and gentlemen. Darius Reckon. Oh my God! Thank you. Education. Uh, on behalf of Sugar Steve, unpaid and boss Bill, it's Laia and the uh, newly nuptialed uh, Fontigolo. This is Questlove signing off for Questlove Supreme. We'll see you on the next go round. Thank you. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.